Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. I just can't get used to this. I mean, I just keep waiting for you to disappear. Oh, it'll happen, believe me. How's it feel? I mean, I know what it's like to watch you go, but what's it like to always be the one that's going? Sometimes it feels like you've stood up too quickly. Your hands and feet are tingling, and then they're not there at all. Sometimes it feels like your attention has wandered just for an instant. Then you're standing naked someplace. Maybe you've been there before, maybe you haven't. You don't know how long it's gonna last, so you start walking until you find some clothes. Then you seem just like everybody else. Except you're stranded and all alone, just waiting to disappear. But you get to see people from the past. People who are gone, like your mom. Yeah, but the thing is, you can't change what happens to them. I've tried, it just happens anyway. Everyone and welcome to Smoking and Drinking in Space. This is a sci-fi podcast from a couple guys who think they know sci-fi. And this week we discuss the film that even your non-sci-fi watching significant other will watch with you and probably enjoy, starring Eric Bena and Rachel McCotty. It's 2009's The Time Traveler's Wife. But first, he's the friend who urges Claire not to marry the time-traveling nutbag, but ends up being best friends with him anyway. It's Rob. How you doing, Rob? Uh, dude, I would marry the time traveler. <laughs> You would? You got a you got a man crush on Eric Bana? No, just a man crush on time travel. Oh yeah, there is that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you get your time travel boner on this one? Yeah, I did. Hold oh, on, sorry. God damn well, it! God. Almost forgot. Damn it. Yep. All right, and he's the one who put this on the list, trying to troll us, but ended up giving us a decent movie to review. He's the uh. host of Legends of Shield and Better Podcasting. And he often finds himself naked in strange places. It's SP. What How are you doing, fuck? SP? Naked yeah, in strange I mean, places? If, if you're time traveling, you got to show up naked in every place. It's the entrance that you make, which in the book, you see, what we didn't discuss is the fact that The Time Traveler's Wife was a best-selling novel from 2003. Is it from Nicholas Sparks? No. And in the Oh, no, book, that's The Notebook. In the book, there's a bunch of things like he even has a tooth filling that he can't take with him. So he gets the tooth pulled instead because the filling doesn't go with him and stuff like that. So, yeah, the time travel mechanic we will discuss the mechanics of time travel in this universe, I guess, later. But, yeah, yeah. Did you actually read the book? No, but I've read enough reviews to know what the differences Uh, are between the book and the movie. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. All right. He read the book for this <laughs> to prep. So, uh, Rob, you got any news for us this week? Um, yeah. Hold on. I got one more bite of my Star Crunch. God. Oh, I knew. Mm. I knew you were going to do this. At least it's not a fudge round. Yeah, that's. Uh, that might be next time. You got your insulin Look, with you? I do. Okay, Look, good. You get me. You get me a shit gift like that. I'm gonna milk it for all. It wasn't it's worth. a shit gift. It was there for you to enjoy, just not on it the is. show. No, no. If I'm, I want to make sure that you know that I am enjoying your gift every week. 
Mm. How much did you get him every week? Oh, it was uh, uh, it was a lot. I got I got two boxes of oatmeal cream pies. I got a box of uh, chocolate chip cream pies, a box of Star Crunch, a box of fudge rounds, and then a box of jelly cream pies. And each box has what six or eight in it? Uh, yeah. Let's see. So you're good until uh, Star summer. Crunch. Yeah, Star Crunch. I got twelve. Uh, oatmeal cream pies. Yep, yep, twelve. It looks like about a dozen in each. Yeah. So, <laughs> you, so you are good for the rest of the year. Um, if I only eat them during this, yes. Which that is my goal is 2022, the year of the Little Debbie snack cakes. This podcast is not sponsored by Little Debbie. Not no, a sponsor, no. but could be with the amount of uh, Little Debbies I'm shoving down my fat face. Rob, give us your news. All right. So scientists uh, took a step towards building a real-life warp drive. Yep. Yep. Saw that. Totally by accident, though. Wasn't totally by accident. The best well, discoveries by- are by accident. Yeah, yeah, it was by accident. So a team of physicists were uh, they accidentally discovered uh, a real a real world warp bubble. Man, try to say that when you're high on uh, cough syrup um, or real sugar. world or that too. Real world warp bubble. Uh, they were trying to observe the structure of Casimir cavities. So that's like cavities in your Casimir tooth. Um, oh my God. You're such I, an idiot. I don't know what Casimir cavities are. Uh, and you didn't bother they, to look it up. Well, are you no, going to use PEM particles to get down to the scale that you would need to use this? Because it's down to a nanoscale. Yeah. Look, look we got to start small before you can start big. Um, Wait, if you start small, you're not going to start big. You start small and then go big. Well, that too. Go big or go home. Look, you have no idea what you're talking about, do you? I, I don't even know where I'm at right now. <laughs> so where am I? This was done so, by Dr. White in his DARPA-funded research, but it was yes. done in Limitless Space Institute. So are we talking about the same Limitless, like in the movies and the TV show Limitless? Oh, so that's how they made the pill with Isn't PEM Limitless particles. The- PEM PEM particles pills. What? Pim particle pills. What? Well, you got you got to get them small enough, so you got to use pim particles to get down to you know the Ant Man pim particles. Yeah, dude, we brought superhero into this. Thanks, thanks, SP. I appreciate that. I tried. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. I hate so, both of you. Um, you know that, right? Yep. Uh, Limitless Space Institute team centered around uh, a real but tiny warp bubble um, that they weren't trying to do but they did anyway so you know next stop the stars well possibly i mean so since this was darpa funded research for something that that was totally unrelated to the warp bubble that they they found they're not going to be continuing with the funding that they've gotten from darpa on the warp bubble they'll continue with their current research project and then maybe somebody will pick this up or they'll they'll look at it later on but no, oh, you know that they're already looking at it. It's it's uh, in some black site somewhere. <laughs> no, probably not. Yeah, they're looking into it. All right, I only got one more. What? Uh, you only have one more? 
Yeah, I only did two this week because, um, yeah, it was the holidays. I mean, and... I might have a third depending on what his second is. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, this is a tag team. Uh, let's see. What's my second one? There it is. Uh, God. Hey, so good news. Everything is going according to plan with the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, they have started to deploy a bunch of stuff. Uh, the latest thing that they deployed was the aft momentum flap. Uh, looks like a big giant mirror sail looking thing. Basically, uh, it's out there so that as uh, whenever they finally deploy the um, the the big uh, collector, right? The the big uh, sail type collector thing. Are you talking um, about the the shield, the heat yeah. shield? Or are you talking yeah. about the actual mirrors? Because it's two different Sorry, things. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, the heat shield, the heat shield. Um, when they deploy that, the um, uh, you, you know cosmic rays uh, will slowly push it off of it. Uh, it'll exert pressure on it and slowly push it off of its uh, trajectory. Um, so they put these little rudder sail-looking things out um, to help counteract that so that they don't have to spend as much um, in fuel costs, right? Because uh, fuel is precious. Sure. It can only take what it took. It can only use what it took. It doesn't. It can't make its own. So, did um, they they take actual liquid fuel or or some sort of, sort of gas fuel up there instead of using like some sort of ionic engine to keep it in in its halo orbit? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what kind of fuel they used. It, it's got a normal uh, reaction Repellent. control system on board. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, I haven't taken a look at the specs and the propulsion, but it's the only way I could think of to actually put it into its orbit, you know, stabilize it. It's slowing down, but you still have to stop when you get there. So I'm pretty sure they've got something like that. Like an ion engine would be a whole different set of, of rules. I did two projects in my undergrad. One was on plasma propulsion. The other was using a solar sail to actually do propulsion. So I've got some experience in both. And I would not want to do any sort of ion or plasma propulsion with a space telescope. Oh, okay. Was it, is that just because you can't do get it up to the speeds that you need to quick enough? It's just too to much energy, too much energy for the space that you have and weight that you have to get to orbit. I mean, this thing's massive. It was yeah. lifted up on an Ariane Five rocket, which is one of the heaviest lifters that are available right now at least until sls and the uh, starship gets going later this year well i figured yeah. they would use something to some sort of propellant system to get it into the orbit but just to make fine adjustments in the orbit i mean some some sort of smaller engine like an ion engine would would suffice i would think for that of course well, there's a lot you're sending two different types of propulsion engines up with it yeah it a lot of energy needs to go into an ion propulsion so um, let's see, it's got a propulsion subsystem, which includes fuel tanks and rockets, attitude control systems. Yeah. So it's, it's normal conventional propulsion. Okay. Yeah. And it's, uh, so in the article that I sent, there's also going to be a link, uh, to where you can see what kind of, uh, steps that it still has to do. So the next step is like, uh, they're going to, uh, tension the sun shield. Uh, so once they get the flaps deployed, the sun shield comes out, they'll start tensioning it, and then they've got about a, another dozen or so steps before 
sending it on its merry way. Um, yeah, it had a I, to- I guess, total of like 29 days from launch until it reaches its right. uh, spot in L2. And it launched on the 25th of December, so we're talking, what, the 23rd or 22nd of January before it gets to where it needs to get going. It's moving well, pretty it quick. Begins, well, 29 days is when it does its L2 insertion burn. Yeah, currently so. as we're recording this, and we're recording this on uh, January 2nd, its cruising speed is point. 3664 miles per second and its distance is 57 57.4% complete to its L2 location and it's currently uh 516,000 miles from earth on the way to about a million miles so yeah. you know by the time this comes out it'll be close to a million miles from earth yeah so it'll be interesting like i said uh on the last recording i am looking forward to the first uh, images, you know, I figured some alien's going to be mooning us or something. <laughs> You're such a dork. All right, SP, did he steal your thunder or do you still have something? Oh, there's no thunder about it, but yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. It was a successful launch of James Webb on the Christmas Day on the 25th of, of December. The most notable thing is there was no interaction with Santa Claus as it was climbing up into the clouds. So, you know, at least they didn't shoot down Santa Claus while launching James Webb with NASA's track record. That was a possibility. True. Right. Maybe Santa had already done his deliveries in Florida by that time. <laughs> it wasn't launched from Florida. It was launched it was, from Guiana. Uh, yeah. From where? Yeah. French Guiana down there in oh. South America. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize they launched it down there. Yeah. The ESA actually launched it. It wasn't NASA that launched it. They oh, bought- gotcha space on the Aaron five, which is an ESA rocket. All so right. did you, uh, did you watch Spider-Man SP? The latest? No, I have not watched the latest mm. yet. I have not traversed to a theater yet. I actually know a couple of people that went and then they got COVID. So no direct correlation, but there was enough significant correlation for me to go, eh, maybe I'll just let this one slide for a bit. Okay. Why did you ask him that? I was just curious. Mm, you could have asked that like after the show. No, you're, tra- I just, you're trying to drag superheroes into my sci-fi show. I know what you're doing. Yeah, I am. But instead, well, let's uh, let's listen to uh, a commercial from somebody on the CBC Co-op, shall we? Fine. Yeah. Hello, everyone. This is James from Simply Stogie's podcast, a member of the Creative Brain Candy Media Cooperative, inviting you to check out simplystogies.com for the latest in cigar reviews, product reviews, lounge reviews, and in-depth interviews from around the industry. If you're interested in cigars or the cigar culture, visit simplystogies.com. And thank you for listening to this podcast on the Creative Brain Candy Media Co-op. All right, who's ready for a pod crawl? Always. Uh, Sure. Let's do this. We can call it, I don't know, say a pod crawl. The pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Pod crawl. Excellent. Insert it deep. Pod crawl. Kind of like a space suppository full of information. A young Henry and his mom are heading down the highway on a snowy winter's night in the 70s when seatbelts were a novelty and cars were built out of explosives. A delivery truck starts slipping on the road, and Henry's mom can't quite avoid clipping it, which sends her in a spin directly toward another truck. 
But before the two collide, Henry vanishes to two weeks earlier where he sees himself and his parents in their living room. He disappears again and finds himself naked and cold on the side of the highway, where he watches his mom's car collide with a truck in a fiery explosion. Confused and alone, a strange man comes up to him, wraps him in a blanket, tells him that he's also Henry, that young Henry is a time traveler, and then older Henry finds himself naked in a library. He finds his clothes nearby, gets dressed and moves on with his librarian duties. Later, Henry meets Claire, who is looking for a book in the research library, and she seems to be very aware of who Henry is, even though he's never met her in his life. As Claire fangirls all over Henry and secures a date that night with him, he gets prepped, but then travels again finding himself naked someplace in Chicago. He breaks into a place and steals some clothes, but is then quickly picked up by the cops and placed into custody. As the officer is calling it in, Henry travels and leaves nothing but clothes behind in the squad car. He meets Claire, a little late due to his quick trip to the past, and she tells him that she's known him since she was six when she met him in a meadow where she lived as a girl. He would come by on occasion, letting her know when he was going to be there next so she could meet him. They continue this for the next 13 years until Claire meets him in the library. From dinner they move on to sex at his place, meet the friends, meet the family, and then get engaged. On the wedding day, Henry takes another little trip just before the ceremony, however, a Henry from the future comes to stand in his groom, much to the delight of Claire, as she seems to like them older. Young Henry comes back just in time for the first dance, and they start their new, convoluted life together. They sell all of their old, crappy furniture and move into a small apartment with new furniture, where Claire proceeds to cover it all up and use most of the space for her studio. After a while, Henry's traveling starts to wear on Claire as she gets to spend romantic dinners alone, Christmases, and New Year's alone, and finds a new studio to hang out in to get away from the amazing disappearing Henry. However, they find marital bliss again soon as Henry finally knocks Claire up, and they are expecting their first child. But a child isn't in the cards yet as Claire miscarries, and even on subsequent tries the pregnancies don't come to term. They suspect the fetus is also a traveler, and is traveling out of the womb, and Henry can't take the pain of the loss, so he heads to his local vet to get neutered. Immediately after getting snipped, he travels back to the meadow and meets up with Claire, who is hopefully 18 at this point, as he disregards doctor's orders by having sex immediately after being clipped. When he returns back to his own time, he tells Claire he's now shooting blanks, and she's pretty pissed at him and tells him to ride the couch for a while. Late that night Claire gets a call from a past Henry that he's in town for a bit, and he's naked and cold, and could she please come pick him up? She obliges and falls out of her pattern by nailing a younger Henry, probably to grab some genetic material from his man-cake mix. Successfully impregnated, Claire shares the news with Henry in a middle-finger kind of way, and tells Henry they will no longer fight, and be super chill so this baby doesn't want to leave the womb. Henry is still a nervous wreck until one day he travels to the zoo in the future, and meets his future daughter, Alba. Alba tells him she's a traveler too, and she even saw them once before she was born as they were arguing in public. He's elated that she makes it and is smart and healthy, and she can even somewhat control her traveling, but she has some bad news for him. He ends up dying when she's five years old, so it's been a while since she's seen him. They say their goodbyes as she heads back to her class, and he gives the good news to a very preggers Claire. Alba is born, friends and family are supportive, they all live idyllic lives, and then on Alba's fifth birthday, older Alba comes to pay a visit and tell younger Alba that daddy's going to die that year. Younger Alba talks with Henry about it, and he tells her not to tell Claire, but she does anyway, and Claire has a heart-to-heart -heart with Henry. Henry then travels, gets hypothermia, comes back, is restrained to a wheelchair, travels to New Year's and the day he dies and watches it all play out. On the day he dies, Henry says his goodbyes to his best friend and wife, 
and then travels to the meadow on a snowy day during deer season. Unfortunately, his father-in-law has bad aim, and instead of hitting the much larger deer he was shooting at, he hits Henry. Henry travels back and dies in his own hall. Later, a past Henry travels forward past his own death to meet his nine-year-old daughter, they catch up, Alba sends some kids to tell her mom to come quick, and roll Claire getting to see Henry one last time in the meadow where they met, and where are the tissues, credits. Alright, 2009 is the time traveler's wife, so this is a dramatic uh, romance film that uh, has a sci-fi foundation in it's, it. It's allergies. I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, uh, since, hey, wait a minute, time out. Since you brought it up, I'll admit I'm teared up again after watching this. I don't know, ten years ago or whatever. I I teared up again at the end. Jason, are you hard ass here? Are you non feeling, or did you have some misty eyes? No, I I I may have had a few tears. Yeah, okay. I, I little, did little watery eye. I didn't. You just admitted You're such you a did. Liar. I know. I, I did it for comedic effect. I actually didn't tear up. Did you uh, not? Was no, your Was your no. raging timer boner getting in the way? Look, look, I mean, I'm glad it went down after two hours because any longer than that, I'm probably going to have to go see my doctor. No, it's, it's four, four hours. hours. I know. That's what I'm saying, though, is two hours it went down. So I was starting to get a little worried. Because it had been two hours with a heart on. Oh, my God. Um, uh, but I was a little creeped out. I, yes. Yeah, there were some, like, creepy elements like, in is this it like, movie, yeah. Is, so did she have, like, Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. Like, I, 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 a no, form I don't, of it? It's not Stockholm Syndrome. I know it's not because it, she wasn't a captor, but I mean. A captive. She, he gaslit her. She, yeah, yeah, she got gaslighted bad. Well, As a wait, fact, no, how did he gaslight her? That's that's not how gaslighting works either. You, you could say her, maybe he groomed her. Okay, so he groomed her. So he's telling her the entire time from 6 to 18, in, indirectly and then directly, that they are going to get together in the future. So it gives her predestiny, and she feels like she doesn't have a choice. It's going to happen anyway. And then she was so into him, especially after the 18th uh, year old uh, get together. Yeah, 18 year old kissy kissy. Yeah, she was totally infatuated. That did it. She was in there. Well, I don't know. I don't know that he indirectly or directly told them that they were going to get together. Because when at one point, whenever she was doing the picnic and he came in, and uh, she asked if he was married. He said yes. And she said, uh, do you love her? And he goes, yeah. And she got upset. Mm-hmm. Jealous. She got jealous. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of smiled and, and let her be jealous. So I don't. I think between that time and the last time he saw her in the meadow when she was 18, they did have that discussion because she had a whole heck of a lot of foreknowledge before she actually met him when she was yeah. 20. But she yeah, seemed we didn't to be see. somewhat surprised that he proposed to her. No. Yeah. Because no, one of the things she said was, you know, she said no at first so that she could exert her free will to see if she could actually do that. But she she also said she felt like that was a bad thing. I forget the exact words. It was a bad thing that she actually did want to marry him at that well, point. Well, yeah, but she did because she was infatuated. She had been, you know infatuated with him since she was a child which again is 
Also, Creepy. he's creepily showing up naked to a six-year-old. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Isn't that, that how is you true. meet all your six-year-olds? Oh, my God. Just you, Rob. Just you. Yeah. yeah. Showing up naked to a six-year-old in that's, the bushes. That's kind of not his fault, and he did tell her to you know, leave clothes for him. He just did that once. <laughs> it is one of the criticisms of this movie is that, or the book too, is this sort of grooming, as you say. And at the time that this came out, it wasn't such a big thing as it is now after all, the whole Me Too movement and everything. But actually, after I watched this, I'm like, you know what? I have to watch The Passengers again because there is a little bit of gaslighting that happens in The Passengers. And mm-hmm. and yeah. it, it's, it's almost the same. Just, there's just no time travel with it. So unfortunately, we still have these sorts of storytelling that are in sci-fi right now with it and I, I just hope that we get a little bit more agency with the lead female characters as we go forward and i think we have seen a lot of that so i i'm happy with where the genre is going but well you do have examples like this that we have to point out so this is a this is based off of a book right um which the book came out in 2003 2003 yeah so but the the movie was actually optioned before the book released it sold it? Yeah. about between paper books paperbacks excuse me and hard copies i think close to two million copies yeah so brad pitt's mm-hmm. and brad pitt and, and uh, not angela um jennifer aniston's uh plan b productions optioned the book before it was actually released from the author so they, they had a film in mind early on. Interesting. Yeah, I just, uh, I mean, can you really, can you really blame uh, movie, or not movies, but the, the movie, the Hollywood industry for this gaslighting when it was part of the book itself? So, I mean, it's not like it's just, uh, you know, in time travel or sci-fi movies, it's it's kind of everywhere, and this is this is a uh, romantic, you know, romantic Ro- book or whatever. Yeah, romantic wow. drama, I would call yeah. it. Yeah. Again, I don't think this is gaslighting. I don't. So what? What is? I mean, it's something. It's something. I mean, he knows when, when he meets her for the first time. When he meets he, her for the first time, he has no idea that he's going to marry her. Well, but no, what I'm saying is when he meets her her at as a young lady, a young six-year-old girl, he knows that there is history of some sort, right? I mean, history, it's future. It's his wedding night. It's his wedding yeah. night. Remember? That oh, it he, is. Yeah, That's he, right. It he, was his wedding night. Yeah. Was he it? disappears while they're jumping up yeah. and down the bed. And then when he comes back, he said, I was in the meadow with six-year-old you. Oh, that's right. That's right. So, that's yeah. Right. Okay. So, which is the first time that he has met her, right? Yes, I think so. I, it so, could be the okay. second time. Now so let's let's it. talk about that. So let's talk about causality. So that that kind of introduces a paradox, right? Because he had never met her before he saw her in the library. In, in the library, yes. But she in had his, met him in his version. In his version, yeah. But she had met him, right? So multiple times. You can't really put the onus on him that they got together and got married 
because he had no foreknowledge until, and he had never met Claire until they were actually married. He had never met six-year-old Claire I, until they I got ba- married. I just backpedaled from that. I think it was the second time they met. Remember, he left uh, the first time and he said, I'll be here next Tuesday at four. I think it's that meeting. So it's think, think it's the second time. I don't know when the first time was that they got together. Let's find in the out. In the meadow. Research on the phone. I don't know when he met her the very first time. I, it's not ringing a bell to me at any time. In the movie, at least. In the book, there might have been some telltale signs. And there are some differences in the book than the film, as there always are. Uh, in the book, Gomez, the best friend, is in love with Claire. And we didn't see that. Here, he cared yeah, he about had his her. Own. Yeah, yeah, he, he had Clarice, but, but yeah. he, didn't, he well, wasn't in love with her. I think you kind of got that idea whenever he, when they first introduced Gomez. He seemed awfully protective of her, um, and it almost seemed like he was a little bit jealous that Henry came around whenever she first introduced him to Gomez and his wife. But then they kind of dropped that throughout the rest of the movie, and it, it, it seemed like you know Gomez was just friends with Claire at that point. Yeah, they took a little bit of the horror out of the movie because in the book, Henry loses both feet and yet in the movie it's frostbite and he's just in a wheelchair, which effectively was the same thing, but it was less gory in the book. Claire's brother, Mark shoots Henry and not his father-in-law. And in the, for the wedding, there's actually a civil ceremony that they did after the actual religious ceremony because of course it was the we'll talk about this later the older version of henry came in and so they just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure it was actually legitimately legal so they had a civil ceremony small civil ceremony with the two of them after the fact so those are some of the what i would call the key differences there are others but those were the ones that i recalled from everything that i read of, of the reviews so i was looking for reviews of time traveler's wife and i didn't really find a lot of them online. Matter of fact, I was kind of shocked that some of the podcasts that I have listened to over the years, I swore one of them had reviewed this and none of them did. So I couldn't find any podcast material to go off of for this. So I was doing some research and I found those in the book reviews in on online articles. I also found out, I don't know if either of you know this or not, but HBO has optioned a series called The Time Traveler's Wife, and it's being done by showrunner Stephen Moffat, who, if you watch Doctor Who, you know who Stephen Moffat is. Yeah, I don't watch Doctor Who. Okay, so while Stephen Moffat was a showrunner for Doctor Who, so he's very adept at uh, time traveler stories, but he wanted to emphasize that this Time Traveler's Wife HBO show had little to no resemblance with time travel for Dr. Who, but at least he's got the concept of time travel in his mind and they've already shot a lot of stuff in 2021. So my guess is that it will air sometime later here in 2022. And I did not know that, but it's been big news for about seven months. Okay. So when he jumped And when he jumped on his wedding night, he actually went to the scene where she gets jealous. That's, that's the scene where she asked if he was married. And so he kind of smiled because he'd just gotten married. But when Claire first met Henry, it was an older Henry. So it was after their marriage. Um, it was older than Henry was whenever they got married. Um, 
And because on his wedding night, he asked Claire, are you, uh, are you disappointed that you're not marrying the older Henry? And she goes, I am. He's just not here yet. So that was, so they, the, when Henry had met, uh, Claire as at six, he, he was already married. Yeah. Right. Okay. Henry, oddly, Henry had jealousy issues with himself. Uh, he, this is an ongoing thing where he's always jealous of the older him because Claire had fallen in love with the older him and right. he always doubted if she was in love with him. So Her. this goes back to the causality discussion. Can you blame Henry because they were already married? He already knew that he and Claire were going to get married. And I don't, I don't think that he had telegraphed anything to young Claire about them getting married. But even if he did, that wouldn't have been the causation for them getting married because when he first met Claire, uh, as an adult, he had never, he'd never seen Claire before. So that couldn't have been the causality or the causation of them getting together. I don't, I don't I would, know. I always <laughs> felt that he did or said something when she was a teenager or just by the fact that he came around so much when she was a teenager that in those formative years that she decided that this was going to be a thing for her and there was going to be nothing else in her life. Matter of fact, I don't know even in the book if she dated outside of him at all. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't read the book, so... Yeah, I haven't either, but in the articles I read, I don't remember hearing of her dating anybody else. So I think she was saving herself for him. So did she really have the option of not him? I don't know. I don't think she did, but, you know, it's up well, for your interpretation. And and I guess that, that opens up the discussion of, of predestination versus free will. Since nothing that they could do could change anything... I'm thinking it's predestination because he couldn't change the fact that his mom died. He couldn't change the fact that he himself died and she couldn't well, change see. the fact that he died. And actually when he was shot, I think Alba was there saying daddy. When he got uh, shot. Yep. If what, you, in if the, you, in the woods. Yeah. If you listen, there's a daddy. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. 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 I didn't hear that. Part. I'll have to go back so, and check. So that brought up, uh, you know, they talk about, we talk about predestination or whatever. So he finds out, I, I understand not knowing when you're going to get shot and then, you, you know, and so it's going to happen, but we find out exactly when it happens, right? He knows when it's happening. It's happening on New Year's Day because he time traveled to it and all that kind of fun stuff or New Year's Eve, whenever. Um, why didn't he try to save himself by having a doctor at his little get together. Do you think that would have saved him? I, I mean, he I don't died know. pretty I quick. Mean, yeah, but it, well, I get okay, yeah. So it was the classic um shot to the abdomen that uh you're totally fine until you notice that you get shot and then all of a sudden you die. Um Oh, I think he noticed he, right. was, he was shot immediately. Well, no, but <laughs> but that I'm saying, you know, that the, in in all the TV shows or all movies and everything like that, you know, they get shot right there in that in the in the side and they're hunky dory until until they notice that they got shot and then all of a sudden they start dying, you know. So, you know, the hero's able to save the day until until he's like, I can't go any further because I got shot. Here, let me open my jacket and show you the, <laughs> the blood. Um, 
But regardless, I mean, I don't know. Obviously, I mean, we do know that. Okay, so he jumped. He jumped into the woods. Uh huh. Got shot. We know he from there he jumped at least to the house um, in the past. Yeah. Because we see that, and then he jumps back to the present. Right. Um. How we don't know how long that took. I mean, we know that the jump to the past didn't take a, a long time. Yeah, um, we know that he, he was wasn't only there for like five seconds or so. We know that he um, wasn't in where he actually got shot for very long either, because they had right. They moved in on him fairly quickly. So did he? Did he? Did he jump more often and nobody saw him? Possibly. Um, that's still. I mean, I would have. I would have had a doctor there. And, you know, I know I'm going to get shot. Uh, I know it's going to be a gunshot wound. That's as much as I know in the abdomen. Have a doctor there. He's got his geneticist friend or whatever, right? Well, his, his geneticist, geneticist friend is a is a research doctor. I don't right. know that he's a medical doctor. Well, well, no, no, he's not a medical doctor, but he could lend some credibility to, you know, keep the time travel part out of it. But, you know, if the doctor's a little... Uh, or the surgeon, or whoever you get, is a little um, apprehensive. Like, hey, you know, no. Why don't you well, come? a surgeon. I, I mean, yeah. He, if a surgeon's there at his party, and he sees that he's shot, I, I don't think he's going to question how he got shot or why he's naked at that moment. Right. He's probably going to treat the wound and then ask questions later. Right, right, right. But I mean, as far as getting him there, you know, in the first place, hey, I need you to come to this party. You know, some. Whether he didn't have any, you know, doctor friends or something like that, you know what I mean? It's just I would have had somebody, and I, I could he have prevented it? Possibly. Would he have died some other way? Maybe. I mean, they did mention he did mention that no matter how much he tried, he couldn't change uh, what happened to his mom. Right. He said he just um, never got there quick enough or in time. Right. So, like, he has no. He can't control it at all. Um, but you would have thought, so he jumps, we know he jumped back into uh, the subway or whatever, you know, and met his mom in the subway. Mm-hmm. Why didn't he, during one of those jumps or something, say, hey, uh, on this date, stay home? I've got okay, a theory so, about that. I, I what, do. I, if I, some I, stranger I, comes up to you on the train, and says, hey, on this date, stay home. Are you going to do it? Are you even going to remember it? I mean, you might remember some weird fucker coming up to you on the train saying, stay home on a particular date, but are you really going to take advice from some strange dude on a train? My theory is that she knew it was Henry, and my theory is based on she was a time traveler, too. Remember, this is genetically transferred from parent down to the kid. So I think she was a time traveler and she could control it because she was singing and she tried to tell Henry Mm. to sing. And he said, well, I just can't sing. And he tells that to Alba later on too. But I think she knew how to control it because she was singing. And therefore, if you take a look at that scene in the train, she knows this is Henry from the future. In the conversation, it's not a weird conversation because usually the things that they were talking about, like, I love you and and all the things that he was saying to her would would have creeped me out as a stranger, especially if I was a woman. But she just ran with it and was like, yep. And she was trying to calm him down. 
Well, she was trying to calm him down just like a good mother would and everything. So I think she knew. And I think she knew because she herself was a time traveler. I I don't know that I, I subscribe to that theory because she did seem kind of I creeped do. out whenever. Shut up. She did seem creeped out whenever he said, I love you. And then he prefaced it with, uh, I love your singing or your 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 art. You know, your, your When singing. they were talking so he, about Henry, the name of Henry in that his name was Henry and that her son's was named. She knew at that point that I think he she was may have. Sus- well, I don't know because in the car at the very beginning of the movie, when she she looked back and she saw Henry disappearing, she had kind of a, a, you know, a look of shock or, or because it was the first time she saw it happening to him. Uh, maybe I, I, I think it's because she saw him disappearing and that freaked her the fuck out. I think she had hoped that he wouldn't be a time traveler, and right. that, that was the confirmation did, moment. Did they that he have? Was. Did they have genetics back then? I mean, as far as like uh, being no. able to no. identify individual genes, yeah. No. So, so in the no, movie they, they called it until the nineties. They called yeah. it chrono impairment, and in the book, I believe it's called chrono displacement disorder. Which, yeah. I mean, if you believe the X Men, if you believe mutants, this is no different from a mutant. So. You know, I can believe it from the science fiction standpoint, from that perspective, from the superheroes yeah. perspective. Okay, so so when some when you're pregnant, the baby is part of you, right? And yes and no, it's yeah, attached by of. the placenta, so it is a different organism, and you have the placenta that blocks things back and forth. But you do share blood. Share blood. You've got the umbilical cord, which is for nutrients, right? And blood, yeah. Yeah. Um, so in that particular case, wouldn't wouldn't the mom phase out too? No, I don't. I don't think so. And and I've I've kind of got a problem with this this whole part. Yeah. Um. So it, it seems that stressors are what's what's triggering the the well, and it's kind of inconsistent on that too. Yeah, but well, because the they say part, alcohol is his trigger, right? It's one but of them. Quits, yeah, yeah, one of them. So yeah, some sort of stressor, and whether it be a physical stressor or a mental stressor, is is somehow what triggers his time travel. And, but even that's inconsistent because he's, when he was gone for two weeks during Christmas and New Year's, he said he tried to drink to to trigger it again, and it, it wouldn't happen. So maybe stressors aren't the trigger. Maybe it's something else that they just didn't figure out or whatever. But they were kind of inconsistent on that. So I think the triggers were plot convenience. Um, I have a theory on the holidays. The theory to me is that he really didn't want to go back to her. Because of all, I mean, it's the settling in and, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into and that sort of thing. And and that's why she's mad because she thinks, whether true or not, the perception is that he didn't want to come back to her. And I think a little bit of that was true. So that's okay. some of what they were fighting on in that. So the whole, I tried to drink to get back to you, but I really didn't want to get back to you sort of thing. So I can hmm. see that. I can see the trigger being some sort of escape me- mechanism. He's, he's so, trying to escape out of a situation, whether it be, um, you know, uh, an exciting 
uh, excitement or or stress. Yeah, I could see that. But it was it was inconsistent. It was a plot convenience. Um, and I forgot where I was going with that that whole train of thought. But the yeah, it was it was in, oh so the the problem is is if if you have a child that is a traveler as well, what happens when the baby travels? Right. I mean, the baby has no defense mechanism, and all of a sudden, the the baby travels someplace. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's I, crying I don't because s- it didn't have a bottle. It was hungry. Right, right. and yeah. then it poof disappears into a time. Yeah, it's just gone. I mean, how long does it take to come back? And what happens in in that point? Because depending on where it's at, it may have no protection from the elements. It may be in a very dangerous spot in the city. Yeah, that's that's a whole can of worms that they didn't touch, and I don't think they could have. So I think there's one of two things that was happening there that we just didn't see either because it was edited out or they didn't have it as part of the story. And I don't know whether this was part of the book or not, but there's two things that I can think of. One is that the drug therapy that the doctor was talking about, I want to say it's Kirkpatrick and I know that's not his name. It starts with a K, but I think the drug routine or therapy in order to keep the, the fetus there was being successful both with the pregnancy and then when the kid is small another thing is that which kind of doesn't fit in this particular case because the baby's time traveling but the power didn't manifest itself in henry until he was six so maybe it takes, when he got the head when he got knocked on the head yeah there was some massive trauma or something like that so that leads credence to claire thinking well we just have to keep calm and serene and not get excited and we can't fight or anything like that so maybe I think that's what the movie said is the the calmness kept Alba where she was. And then the third theory that I have is that Alba is just special and just knew she wanted to be part of her mom and dad's life and then just didn't want to go anywhere until her dad left. And then she wanted to go see him. And that's what caused her to start time traveling after his death. So a combination then, of those three, or maybe one of those three, I don't know. But then how would the fetuses travel? They weren't I calm. I mean, if, 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 if you subscribe to the calm or the serene theory, they got excited because mom was fighting with dad. Yeah, that right? just seems like a big Yeah, but she, she lost gap. one in the middle of a, in the bed in the middle of the night. She lost one while she was eating. Because she was stressed. She was alone. Okay, stressed and alone. Okay. I was under the impression that dad knew, right? Knew that he was traveling. Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, in the book, yeah. there are some compromising positions he finds his son in. So, yes, he did know. Okay. So, if dad knows, wouldn't you, when you teleport back or travel backwards, why not make a phone call? Hey, uh, it's me, Pumpernickel, uh, you know, code word of some sort, pineapple, you know, come get me. Well, I mean, so what do you mean? Well, okay, so, so you know, he gets, he's stranded. So, so in the book, uh, I've, I've been doing a little bit of reading here, in the book, uh, or and even in the movie, he gets frostbite because he, or hypothermia and frostbite because he can't find a safe place to hole up during during the 
cold night. Uh-huh. Why why not make a phone call? Maybe he couldn't uh, get to a phone. I mean, he he comes in naked, so he has no change. He has no cell phone. Not that he even yeah. was in a time that had cell phones. Yeah. I mean, depending on where he finds himself at, he may he may have been out in the middle of a fucking field. Yeah, see, so, yeah, and that's, that's the thing that just didn't... So he can travel time and distance, apparently. Right. right. He would have to be able to travel distance just because, I mean, the time displacement of... If, if you're in one place and then you travel 20 years time period and you're in the same exact universal coordinates, the Earth is not going to be there. So, yeah, so you have yeah. to have some sort of distance capability to time travel. So and then and and then when he comes back, obviously you know life has moved on. So the time that he is gone uh, in the past correlates to the future. So it's not like it's not like he comes back right at the moment that he left, right? Yes, that's what yeah, I gather. Yeah. So so, so the time yeah. that he spends, yeah, the time he spends in the past or the future is uh also elapses Lost. and he yeah, yeah. He, he loses that time so he doesn't he doesn't gain any time when he travels in my yeah. notes i put it follows the timeline of henry as he was if he was a normal person living yeah so one of the one of the things that they mentioned in the movie is that he had never traveled past his own death until the very end of the movie till towards the end yeah well, it was the very end. It was the it was the last time that we see him travel. Whenever he no no he 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 traveled past his death when he saw his daughter at the zoo at the at the oh zoo. that's right that's right yeah yeah I, so he I, saw so and we we've seen it a few we saw it a few times we know that uh, we know that he saw her at least twice before the final jump. So my theory on that is somehow Alba herself extended the time period that he could travel like he can travel in his lifespan and he can travel in alba's lifespan now. oh because since it's a genetic anomaly and she shares genetic material with him she shares his genes that would make sense okay As a matter he's, fact, getting, he's getting anchored through her yeah one of the fun facts about this movie it was actually shot in 2007 and it was supposed to be released in 2008, but they couldn't do that because they had to do some reshoots. There were two things that prevented the reshoots from being yeah, done in a yeah, timely manner. Yeah. One was seasonal. It had to be the right season in order to shoot some of the outside shots. The mm -hmm. other one is probably more of interest to you guys, and I think you know this, is that mm -hmm. he was actually, Eric was filming the Star Trek film, which right. he completely had to shave his head and everything. Right. So it took a year for his hair to grow back in order for him to be able to come back and do the reshoots. Which I don't know why they, they delayed that for his hair. I mean, they used some awful wigs in the movie anyway. I think part of it was the seasonal thing, but they also delayed it because of his hair. Or maybe that's how they sold it or whatever. And yeah. the movie came out in 2009 after the reshoots. So one of the reshoots, though, which gets back to your point, was the fact that the original ending showed 
Henry, I was going to say Eric, shows Henry going to Claire when she's 80 years old and, and presumably on her deathbed or something. Right. Like that. That's that's how it was in the book, right? That, that was the last time that he met her. I actually don't know since I didn't read the book, but I know well, that, I, that Wikipedia hold of all knowledge says that okay. uh, he showed up. Yeah. So he goes to her when she's 80 and they tried to show it, but it confused audiences and they couldn't connect with it because she was so much older and kind of ironically, just a few years later, you have the whole thing going on with Captain America, you know, with, with, uh, his love on her deathbed, you know, that they showed in, in movies just like five years after that or something like that. So, uh, everybody got that with, uh, Captain Carter, but they didn't get the fact that Claire was 80 years old and it kind of fits with the whole bicentennial man too, as, as they got older, although there was, you know, a granddaughter involved there. Anyway, my point is that the original ending was not them in the field. The original ending was in a hospital someplace and they obviously did a reshoot there. Uh, I love this trope. It's called the distance finale or distant finale where it time jumps and, and it's not a time travel thing, but it time jumps like five, 10, 20 years or something like that. So you get a sense of where the characters are in the future. So you just don't have to wonder what happens with these characters in the future. And I love that. And right, it, you make your own, make your own, uh, head cannon. Right. And Harry Potter does it as well, both in the books and in the movies. I know you haven't seen it, but the original nine books or whatever, ends with a, a kind of distant finale. So I, I really enjoy that. And I, I really like those sort of epilogues that give you what's going to happen five, 10, 20 years from now. And, and we get that here with the, the meadow scene because it's probably more in the future or less in the future than they wanted it to be because Alba's still young, but it was still far enough in the future that you, okay, they're okay. Claire right, and Alba right. are going on with life and this hasn't adversely affected it. Alba's not in some sort of nut house because her dad left when she was young or Claire didn't commit suicide because well, she lost her love of her life or something like that. Well, well she was only nine in the, uh, in the final scene. Right. And we know she's right. okay. Cause she's 10 when, when they go to the, the zoo. Yeah. At the zoo. Yeah. But in the storytelling, you get it at the end. So you're reminded yeah. of the fact that they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she gets, and, 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 uh, Claire gets to say goodbye, um, maybe for the last time, um, you, you know, and not have that, oh, you're, you know, you return and you're dying type of. If you thing, don't you have know, this, this scene, this movie is really, really dark. There's not a lot of humor in the oh, movie yeah. to begin with. And no. that's why I won't say it's like a romantic comedy or anything. No. That's why it's a romantic drama. So that last scene yeah. is really needed to pull this movie home. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a, a Debbie Downer. Well, it's that it's that final uh, that's final tug on the emotional strings that that they wanted to pull in there too. I mean, and it worked for me. Yeah, it kind of worked for me too. So, all right, what did you think of the of the movie uh, SP? You'd seen it before, right? This is yeah. your second viewing. Yeah, in uh, my original podcast community, uh, they. There was a, a guy in there, his name was Soleil, he really liked the book, and he was telling everybody on the forums that we had at the time, so I was like, okay, I didn't see it in the theater, I did see it at home uh, when it first came out, I believe on VHF, VHS, and uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit when I first saw it, 
And I thought it was just an interesting take. It brought romance into a quasi sci-fi movie. And I debated with myself for years as apparently everybody else have on whether this is actually a sci-fi film or not. Ultimately I have to say it is because of the time travel, the mechanics of it. And uh, even though it's not explained at all, it's just some gen- genomic um, sort of anomaly, genetic yeah, anomaly, yeah, genetic anomaly. And it, it just happens. And like I said before, if you believe in mutant powers in the movies, you believe in Spider-Man, you know, this could happen sort of thing. So, okay. Uh, it did pull on my heartstrings quite a bit. It does have adult themes to it, which makes it even more deep in my opinion, because you have not the perfect marriage going on here. Even if you get beyond the grooming or gaslighting, what we were talking about before they had legitimate problems. They, they were probably not going to make it at a few times, but they got through it. You had, uh, alcoholism, you have drug abuse and it was really muted in the movie, but you had this whole underlying homophobic thing going on. Uh, what I've read in the books and in the movie. And I'm glad that they didn't really hammer that home because I think as a society, I hope as a society, we have moved beyond that, but you know, maybe I'm wrong, but the deep cuts that it has made, I think makes it even a better movie because not everything is glossed over and it it's a decent date movie as i pitched it to you guys originally it's really what it is to me is hey if you got somebody that doesn't like science fiction doesn't like that sort of thing and and really likes uh the romance instead that you can sit down with them and enjoy you both can enjoy this at the end and and have the same sort of emotional tugs from it which i generally don't like in a movie but because of the time travel i got around it and and uh, I liked it. So, yeah, I do still like this movie all these years later. And even though the all the troubles that we were talking about before, I, I think it is a, a decent movie and I enjoy it. Um, the the thing that we haven't talked about is the wedding. So I hope we get to talk about that, too, because that's all fun. OK, uh, Rob. So do you like the movie? Uh, Yeah, I thought overall it was a good movie. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't cry in it, but you know, it did have some sad points and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. It wasn't, it wasn't your hardcore sci-fi, uh, movie. I, I will classify it as sci-fi, um, but it's more of a, uh, romantic drama type of deal. It's, um, uh, notebook meets, um, I don't know, Terminator. time traveling. Terminator, yeah, something, <laughs> right? I mean, it's it, who travels naked through time. Terminator does, yeah. So you know, it's it's uh, it reminded now it reminded me of uh, the Notebook so much because it had Rachel McCoddy in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, there was a Notebook in it. <laughs> yeah, and there was a Notebook in it. Yeah, so it was like, oh, hey, this is like sci-fi Notebook. Um, I didn't feel like I wasted my time like I thought I was going to when when this popped up. I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to like this. Um, I'm glad I watched it. I probably wouldn't watch it again, but um, it wasn't it wasn't a complete waste of time. It was interesting. It had enough to keep it had enough ju- enough jumping around that you had to pay attention to try to figure out where he is and 
when he is and all that kind of stuff and who it is, which one it is. Um, so I thought I, I that kind of kept me going. Um, I like how they did the wedding scene with the with the um, you know he left and they're like oh shit oh shit oh shit and then he shows up older obviously yeah older um, him shows up and gets married right so so which which brings brings the question you know he was jealous of the younger guy but uh, obviously at some point in time he got over it and decided i need to do this because she's good for me right i think the younger guy was jealous of the older guy Right, that's what I'm saying. But at the, but at some point he got over it because I guess he turned into the younger guy or the older guy, right? I mean, I don't think he got maybe. Over. Yeah, I never. Th- I I don't think he ever got over it myself. But I think he appreciated the fact that because the emotions of the day, the stress of the day, made him time travel. That future him was able to come in. In the book, there's this whole scene, I guess, about him. Um, somewhere else uh, appearing the same day and finding out what the date was and knowing that he had time traveled, he busted his butt to get back to the farm or wherever they were to get married in order for him to be there for the ceremony. So um, there he was doing it for the younger guy, but the, the younger guy, I think he was still, I don't I think know. He was I, doing it for Claire. Yeah. Doing yeah. it for Claire. And, and, and see, and that's the weird thing is it's like, I had a wedding and I don't remember it, but I know I need to be there. Right? No, I, he remembers his wedding. No, he doesn't remember his wedding w- until it happens to himself. Right? Cause Wait, what? He was never there. His older self would have remembered the wedding. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. His younger self what, was not there, so, so he, he didn't would know. not remember it until he actually got there. Right. Yeah. All he remembers is the dancing part. Right. So, so, I mean, the only thing he experienced of the wedding was the dancing, um, you know, so. Okay. But he knew that he got married. Well, he yeah. He was at yeah. the reception. Yeah. He remembers his wedding. Well, he remembered he got married. And so yeah. as his older self, he's going to realize, oh, today's my wedding. I need to get there because my younger self has jumped. Yeah. And that's when he actually remembers his wedding. So she has all these memories of, of so a he life. remembers. Yeah, he doesn't remember the ceremony right. until yeah, he yeah, that's just participates in it. Yeah, that's yes. so confused. It's so so mind trippy, and just the fact that you're like everybody around you has these memories of things that happened while you were gone, and yet you were there as an older person potentially, right? And right, yeah. Actually, as the book explains, whenever he asked somebody what the time was, because he can never carry a watch anyway, because the watch would just leave him the second, you know, he time traveled. Right. His friends would always tell him the time, but then tell him the actual date, too, because they never know who they're talking to. <laughs> right. Which one they're talking to, unless he looks, you know, different, like he's got gray hair that time or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. His his older gray haired self comes and 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 everybody just kind of looks at him odd, but doesn't really question it, which is which and is Gomez strange. was just like, "Thank God, somebody's here." Yeah. yeah, put on the suit. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, and and that and the dad knew uh, that that's when I knew for a fact that the dad knew is when all of that happened, and he was kind of well, no, actually, when uh, when they were talking about you never saved mom, 
Uh, yeah, but yeah, that's that's when you knew that the dad dad understand what was going. Yeah, on. but it, it was nice to see that he got himself sobered sobered up for to to be part of the his life, right? Um, be part, and then eventually be part of his grandchild's life. Because you see, yeah, it was it was an overall charming story. Yeah. So, All right, SP. Anything else you wanted to cover on the wedding? No, that was it. Just the hilarity of the older guy coming in. Right, right. Yeah, so I like the movie too. I mean, yes, it is not hardcore sci-fi. You don't have a time machine that's that's doing the time traveling. But I mean, this is this is right along the vein of of you know even classic sci-fi where you have some sort of science fiction element, and then you explore how that science fiction element affects people's lives, and and that's that's the whole thing with with the sci-fi genre it's it's not necessarily about the technology or the or the actual science fiction elements it's how it's how life reacts and how people react to that technology or 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 science fiction element and i think this is a a a good example of of that and it's really masterful way that they did they they interwove a romantic dramedy or not dramedy a romantic drama into they wove science fiction elements into a romantic drama. I think they did a, a really good job doing that. All right, Rob, you got a haiku for us this week? I do. This one is titled Throwback Haiku. Can't control the jump. Time closet is more sci fi, not a bad drama. You think Time Closet is more sci-fi? Yeah. yeah. So you think 112263 is more sci-fi than The Time Traveler's Wife? Just barely. Because there's a SP? closet. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, see, I never actually watched 112263 yeah. because you guys ragged on it so much. So doing a direct it's comparison. It's worth a watch. Is- I didn't rag on it. Okay. Well, I it's might. James it's, ragged yeah, I on it mostly. In. I mean, I actually, it, the book okay. is the book is. Uh, if if I had to recommend the the series or the book, I would definitely recommend the book over the series. So okay. if if you don't want to waste time on both, because it'll take you about the same amount of time to watch the series as to read the book, I would read the book. Okay. Uh, well, given the fact that I know there's a closet that does time travel, and they do not explain the uh, genetic anomaly other than the fact that there is one i it's like a seizure yeah uh, epileptic seizure Uh, i'll go with yeah that's plausible of what rob said yeah sure more time Hmm. more sci-fi okay so there was there was actually more time travel and and kind of more exploration of the effects of time travel in this movie than there was in in 11 but there was causality in eleven twenty two sixty three, right? Yes, very much so. He changed something, and it would totally throw things off, and then he'd have to go back. And, and this reset. was all predestiny. Yeah, this was all predestiny. No, no, uh, nothing that we saw on screen actually changed anything in the future that we saw. True. I mean, yeah, there were there were probably minor changes. But, well, and won again, the that, that that kind of that kind of brings us back to the the time paradox of. Well, it's the it's the chicken and the egg paradox. So, which happened first? Did he travel in time and meet Claire, or 
Uh, did Claire, you know, well, he, so how did that entire chain of events start? Because he wouldn't have been able to. She met. So from his perspective, right? This is all from his perspective. Cause he's the one, the time traveling. The first time they meet is in the library and that would have happened no matter what, because she was going to school there and he was a librarian, right? She wasn't but, actively looking for him. She just knew that he would find her, that she would find him at some point. But it was her actions that made it to where they got together. So she was the one that invited him out on the date because she had foreknowledge. She had known him since she was six. Yeah. And in the, okay, that's fair. Cause in the book, I don't think he would have asked her out anyway. In the book, he had an ex-girlfriend and they just had a huge fight and thus the lipstick in the mirror in the in the cabinet, medicine cabinet right. and stuff like that. So I don't think he was in the headspace to actually ask her out anyway. I think what drew him in was the fact that she had foreknowledge. Right. So, so, so where does that, where does that whole time loop start? I would say when they meet, but for the first time in the library. Well, technically it started when he was six. No, 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 no. St- we're, we're talking the Claire Henry time loop. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I don't know. Because we're saying that the whole reason they got together was because Claire pursued him. But she wouldn't have pursued him if they had never if he had never traveled back to uh see her in the meadow. But he had knowledge of her whenever he traveled back in the meadow because they had met in the library and they'd so gotten per- together because they were already the- married. Perhaps the very first time that they actually met in the library, she kept on going back to him for her research project because she needed some specifically research and he was the expert and that they would have ultimately got back together then. But then that would have changed their, the second time around the second Mm -hmm. loop around. And we never saw that first time. So, so change could happen. So there was, there is causality. Because well, without sub- causality, that, that paradox doesn't work. If you subscribe to what I just said, yes. If you subscribe to the fact that he was going to get together with her no matter what, maybe a rebound, whatever, that first night, and that they just stayed together after that, I don't know. It's She definitely wouldn't have had the foreknowledge the first time around. So her having the foreknowledge changed everything. Yeah, whatever. I'm. It's... It's this is Rob's department. Rob, why aren't you speaking? Because <laughs> uh, Rob's my, my brain hurts. Uh, it's going yeah. around in circles. I, you, you know, this is so. So they 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 talk about it. Not nothing I do will change it. So this is this is more predestination than it is try, cause and effect, right? So it was always going to happen the way it happened because it happened that way. Um, you know hence the paradox how right. did it start right i mean it's it's uh i'm my own grandfather he's a type of you are yeah that no, that's, that's the wrong paradox well but but i mean it's kind of uh, it, it's in that particular vein in that okay according to henry's timeline he never met her and then he met her and got together and blah, blah, blah. According to her, Claire's timeline, she has met him since she was a little kid. So it's, it's very, it, it's, 
Yeah, if she didn't say anything, would it have changed? Maybe. I don't know. We don't know. So the only possibility is the first time that they met was when she was six and they weren't married. Right. They weren't married when he first... No? They were going... No, they were because he was an older he was an older one. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely knew who she was and gave her all of her background. The very, yeah. the very first yeah. time he knew her whenever they first met at six, because he knew that her brother had fallen out of the tree and broke his arm. He knew her birthday and knew her. Yeah. So they knew each other the first time. Yeah. So this, this paradox doesn't work or this, the yeah, it's a paradox. Yeah. It's a chicken and the egg paradox, which started first, which happened, what caused the, the first chain of events. Uh, I don't know if you figured out. Let and me that's, know. and that's the, that's the trouble with doing time travel stories is you've got to watch out for that. And so this, the, the predestination type time travel stories like this, where you can't change anything where causality is, is thrown out the window doesn't work with, with time travel movies. This obviously wasn't written by anybody with a huge science fiction background. This was written by somebody that wanted to put together a romance mm-hmm. and then threw do some it, sci-fi yeah, in there. Yeah. So I'm not going to throw too many darts at it, but sure. Yeah. This it, is a, there definitely is something that broke there. Yeah. This is a romance story with sci-fi elements, not a sci-fi story with romance elements. Yeah. I, again, yeah. I, I see where you're, I see what you're saying, but I, I kind of disagree because I think, uh, I think the, the sci-fi elements played as much of a role in the story as the romance elements. Well, it, if it not did, more. it did, but so you can't say it's a romance movie with sci-fi elements. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think they, it, I think it was, uh, they were trying to if do you strip a, out the sci-fi elements. It's not a story. Well, no, but if you strip out the romance elements, it's not a story either. So I mean, it is they're, they're they're in this particular case they're intertwined. But I think I think ultimately they were you know the author was probably trying to create a romantic novel and wanted to throw some sort of sci-fi you know time travel into it and intertwine it in there. And did and it's not somebody that normally does something like that, so doesn't think about this paradox of the chicken and the egg and all that at the same time to okay. break your brain. So basically, this is what happens to the main character Peter from Office Space. Ten years later, <laughs> this is what happens with his life. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Ron Livingston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he moves to scene. Chicago mm-hmm. and. <laughs> and becomes best this. friends with 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 the time traveler. Yeah, yeah. Ch- changes I can his see name. that. Yeah. Hey, I've got a limerick, by the way. You do? I do. Oh, well, let's hear a limerick. Okay, I even titled this one. I titled it "Wife's Disappointment." Henry and Claire time travel romance. Time travel mechanics, not a glance. Gomez and Christy, friends. Wedding party, Ben's. Little Alba needed to enhance. Very nice, very nice. Who's got awards? Yep. I do. All right, SP, who's got your uh, Black Lung Award in this? 
Oh, I didn't see anybody smoking. Not that there was somebody smoking. I just don't remember it. So I'm just going to go to Claire's dad for firing the gun. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, Rob. I like that smoking gun. Yeah. So basically it was Claire's dad for the reason why he died. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Okay. Is that yours or I, well I had not, you just reiterating what, what SP said. No, I'm gonna go I'm gonna jump on his uh, bandwagon there because I didn't have anything. It was gonna go to Doc Coddle. Yeah, mine's going to Doc Coddle. Yeah. So that was that was my choice. All right, Rob, who's got your uh, head lush? Oh, I give it to uh, I give it to Henry for you know drinking with the coffee and drinking with everything you, you know trying to cope with his time traveling before he met Claire. Okay, SP. I'm gonna go with Henry's dad, although Henry was a strong contender. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Henry. I I, I know his dad was a. a pretty hard drinker too but in fact he said you know that was one of the things that we we exuberantly shared or or something like that uh but i'm gonna go with henry because they showed henry more often drinking uh just kind of self-medicate and try and keep himself from traveling so henry's gonna get mine on that i went with the uh, dad just because he was drinking longer but yeah yeah, Whatever. yeah it works that works uh sp who's got your player oh definitely henry because you know, he got around quite a bit throughout the years. Uh, younger him hooked up with older Claire. Older him hooked up with younger Claire. Basically different versions of Claire. And so I'll give him the player for that. Okay, Rob? Yeah, I give it to Henry for, uh, you know, getting himself a youngin at 18. Okay, so I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm giving mine to Claire because she actively pursued Henry in the library. I, I still think she's the catalyst that, that started all of this. And not only did she also hook up with older Henry, but she hooked up with younger Henry too. Got him. Got herself a baby. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she yep. she hooked up with younger Henry and 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 got herself in uh, with a child. Yeah. We did not talk about that too much, but I think that's. All fair is fair and love and war there because he made the one-sided decision to get the vasectomy and she didn't want it. And so I, I think she did the right thing there. I, I think, I mean, if your partner is going to take away something without talking to you, then you go get it from your partner <laughs> at an earlier age. Yeah, fine. yeah. And that was, a, that was a brilliant plan. In fact, uh, whenever young Henry called her, I was like, ah, that's how they're getting around this. Yeah. That was yeah. That was a pretty clever little twist, yeah. All right, Rob, who's got your purple hippo? Oh, I gave it to six-year-old Henry um, for his first jump. It's a good one. Yeah. SP? Wow. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't think mine competes. Mine's just Claire because of the whole grooming thing that we were talking about before. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> okay. Nice. I still don't think she was groomed, but okay. Um, so mine's going to go to older Henry for um, seeing himself dying in the hallway and then watching himself die you know, on New Year's Day and then jumping and getting shot in the woods and then actually dying. So watching your watching yourself die twice and then living through it, that's a that's a head trip. I can't disagree. Yeah. All right. So it's time to pick what we're going to be watching on the next show. SP, since you're the guest, I'm gonna have you Pick a number, and you're going to pick a number between 1 and 159. 
95. All right. Rob, tell me when to stop. Okay, stop. Number 95. All right. Well, this is a series, but this is a series that we've been wanting to do for a long time. So thank you, uh, SP. Your your pick is really good. So starting next episode, we will be discussing the series where in the 24th century, a group of humans untangle a vast plot which threatens the solar system's fragile state of detent. This stars... That's ambiguous. Stephen Strait. Oh, now it's Dominique not. Dominique Tipper. Oh. Now it's not. Wes Chatham. Yeah. And Shora Agadashlu. It nice. is uh-huh. The Expanse, 2015's The Expanse. So, so we're going to start covering The Expanse. We'll be doing a season a week. Oh, binge city. Yep. A season yeah. an episode for The Expanse. So the next six episodes of Satis will be covering the entire run of the expanse thus far six uh, season six is rumored to be the last season so uh, probably just uh, these six episodes so definitely tune in and get our take on on the expanse are we going the first season is is probably my favorite but they're all really good yeah are we going to uh are we going to let James in on this little secret um, because you know yeah, he kind of likes it too. Maybe we'll 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 see. We'll see. <laughs> That'll make him so busy. Hey, James, guess what? <laughs> hey, can can we have you for an episode? Uh, we're gonna cover the expanse. Yeah, sure. Which uh, which which episodes? All of them. All of them. <laughs> Pick a season. Every it's a great series. One. Great series. I I'm uh, really thankful that Jeff Bezos took the series over from sci-fi and brought it to the season that it's at right now season six because yeah it's, it's I, just great i think with amazon taking it over they were able to do some stuff that they couldn't do on you know cable basic cable mm-hmm. um that sci-fi you know you just can't do some stuff so a lot of a lot of more raw language uh that kind of fits uh some of the the scenes and episodes um some more of the uh, kind of more epic battles with some you, you, you get to see a little bit more of what it's like to get shot in space rather than you know having to tone it down for for sci-fi audi- audiences so um yeah I, I like what amazon's done and they had a bigger budget too so i think that improved things well you guys bit. got six episodes to talk about it so i'll be tuning in that's for sure sounds good. all right we got one all right <laughs> finally <laughs> about time all right sp well (laughs) thank you very much for coming on and uh talking about the time traveler's wife with us even though you put it on our list trying to troll us so um why don't you tell the people where we can find you well you can find me at gunnageek.com where you can find the podcast that i do about hobby podcasting called better podcasting as well as my superhero show called legends of shield all about the marvel studios productions which does include spider-man so eventually we'll get to talking about that when it starts streaming i haven't had to mandate uh, the co-hosts go into the movie theaters so we've been waiting for the movies until they stream but aside from that all the wonderful things on disney plus have been just amazing i don't know if you guys have seen hawkeye yet or not but uh, yep. we talk all about that and it was a really fun watch for us right before christmas 
yeah, you have some really good episodes on, on the Hawkeye series. So, Thanks. All right, well, that's all we've got for this week. Our intro and outro music is Welcome Home by Cambo. Podcrawl music is Snack hey, Mix and Chet. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can leave us uh, feedback on our Discord channel high. at smokinganddrinkinginspace.com/discord. On Twitter at status underscore podcast, or you can email us at smokinganddrinkinginspace at outlook.com. If you'd like to throw a few nickels our way, you can become a Patreon supporter by going to smokinganddrinkinginspace.com forward slash Patreon. And make sure to visit Creative Brain Candy for more creative shows and other creative works at creativebraincandy.com. For this week, I'm Jason. You two are assholes. You know, we did not talk about McHottie's booty. Oh, yeah. That was that was probably my favorite scene. Yeah. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye. What would the porno version of this be? <laughs> time travel the I'm time sure. traveler's dick? Time Traveler's MILF? MILF. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.